Hello, and welcome to Episode 5 of Design EDU Today, the podcast series discussing topics concerning the state of interactive design education at institutions of higher learning. I am your host, Gary Rosance, Assistant Professor of Graphic Design at the University of Maryland, Baltimore County. Today's guest is Bob Gillespie. Bob is a creative consultant and designer with over 15 years of experience in graphic and interactive design. Bob's newest venture is the Creative Foundation, where his art direction, UI, UX, e-commerce, and iOS application skills meld with his corporate branding and creative strategy and design for political campaigns. Bob is a former board member of AIJ Baltimore, where he led the chapter's social media and marketing campaigns and is still an active member. Bob has earned undergraduate degrees in multimedia and digital art from LaSalle University, animation from the Art Institute of Philadelphia, and an MA in publication design from the University of Baltimore. Bob is also a sub-320 marathoner and a self-proclaimed beer connoisseur. Welcome, Bob. Thank you, Gary. (laughs) Well, thanks for taking the time to to join me today. I really appreciate it. Uh, My pleasure. Um, Absolutely. So I want to give the listeners a little backstory on a Twitter discussion you and I were having last week. So at a recent AIJ Baltimore um, open board meeting that was being live tweeted as education director for AIJ Baltimore, I was discussing my plan for engaging students and faculty. You tweeted the hard question, students and faculty are easy to engage. How do you engage senior designers? So this is where I, I, I followed up with via Twitter. It's, it's the opposite for me. Mm. As a design educator, I have an easier time engaging senior designers than engaging faculty. Mm. And then the, discuss, you know, the discussion went off from there into, are educators really a part of the design community? Which led me to ask myself, as a design educator, am I really engaged in the nine to five or professional design community? Mm. Or am I isolated in the design education community? Mm. So from from your experiences at big and small firms to now running your own consultancy, what do you think? Are design faculty engaged in the design community? The same as, I guess you would say nine to five designers? I don't think I don't think the answer is yes or no there. I think it's more like a a flaw in our current education system where uh, the requirement is uh, to be a sort of tenured lecturer uh, to have advanced degrees um, and to for someone to sort of invest that time and effort and money to to obtain those advanced degrees, often uh, they roll right into teaching without really ever. Uh, pushing a pixel uh, professionally, so to speak. So, um, and, and sort of my, you know, I, I went to school for a long time and education is, is really crucial to the success of me and, and uh, all designers. But I find that all too often, you know, you're lacking in the classroom that real practical knowledge of what the design industry is all about. You, you, you fi- sometimes you find yourself being... Uh, taught sort of pseudo industry knowledge where someone's basing their opinion on concepts and and theory, um, but really not any sort of practical um, facts, data behind it. So I found that as one of my biggest frustrations, especially in grad school, where uh, some of my professors were ne- they never worked in the industry yet they're 
trying to teach me how to be successful in the industry. So, you know, that there's some, there's some, you know, design is one of those things where you need to have sort of a pragmatic approach to it. You need to learn by doing it. But if you're learning almost exclusively um, from educators who only have a theoretical understanding of the business and, you know, that that's a big chunk that's that's missing from, you know, the education process. So I think it, it, an easy solution um, and, and sort of you're not seeing it as much is more adjuncts of, you know, you kind of have to balance out your staff. You have your full-time professors, but also having more adjuncts who are actually in the, in the grind, in, in the trenches still, designing, being successful in the industry, knowing the business side of it. Uh, knowing where the trends are so they can share that knowledge, but they're, they're, they're doing that first, teaching second. Um, and I think that would really benefit the whole community and, and prepare students, uh, um, you know, to, to get out there and, and really work. And, you know, there's a ton of design programs out there and, and whatever, whatever university or college sort of adapts, I believe, adapts that sort of heavy on the adjunct to balance out you know, their, their tenure professors, um, I think those students will be more successful in the long run. So how problematic is it for the students to come from a, a university or whatever, a design program, we'll just say, we'll say mm-hmm. that, they come from a design program where they haven't had the, they haven't had the practical yeah, experience the practical education is that something they can learn on the fly quick? I mean, how? I think that's left you... up to the individual, really. I mean, uh, but how are you going to get the opportunity to learn on the go if you're coming out of school less prepared? You know, the the competitive nature of this business is immense, and you know, sort of one of one of the the traits you need to have is working harder than everyone else, but. That only goes so far in terms of, you know, having those the right fundamentals to to be hired in this business to where you're going to get the right experience to actually have a long career. I mean, you can kind of fake it to make it uh, to a point, but, you know, to to really hit the ground running straight out of school. I I really think that, you know, yeah, you can you can have a, a, a. 95% 95% pra- uh, theoretical uh, understanding of the business and design but and, and be successful. Absolutely. I mean, it happens all the time. But if you have sort of a 60-40 uh, practical and theoretical understanding of, of design, design business, um, you will be so much more successful and so much more ready to do good work right away versus, um, you know, put time in and struggle and do bad work for a long time. Um, so can you give me a couple of examples of the, of the things that like what, what experiences from your perspective, haven't the students got in that, that, you know, they should be getting in the classroom. Well, I, I yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Finish. Well, I, I think it's, it's, it's a delicate balancing act when you've got, any design program is, you know, got a, a limited number of classes. Sure. And so I think as an educator, I'm always struggling is what 
is that balance. Mm-hmm. And I'm just wondering, just you know, off the top of your head, what are a couple of things that you consistently see that is undertaught or not taught at all um, when you when you see students coming out? Um, I think so. Let me go. Let me go a roundabout way to answering that. When I hire designers, um, you know, we sort of have this uh, send in your resume and have some samples on a website. Uh, that sort of thing is, is you know, you vetting out candidates. Um, what I do is I immediately, when I get their resumes, the first thing I look at, I don't read it. I, I critique it in a nanosecond uh, just by my 15 years of experience trained eye. Um, I look at, you know, all to see if they have the design fundamentals and I can expand upon that. Um, what, what I believe are the design fundamentals. Um, if they have the design fundamentals, then I, I think they are ready to come and help me make my job easier. Uh, I, can, I can guide them and I will guide them and mentor them and help them with their professional development um, sort of under my, uh, under my um, direction. But if they don't have the fundamentals... Uh, they're not, I don't even consider that. Like that resume gets tossed. But if they have the fundamentals, like that, I, I've hired um, my, uh, the, two, the last two designers I hired, uh, that I hired them uh, at the interview because they had the fundamentals of good design ready. They needed, obviously, they, you know, they weren't, you know, one was junior level, one was uh, more of a senior level. Um, they had the fundamentals, so I know that I don't have to teach them the fundamentals of design. And I, that's what comes up often when I'm invited into a classroom to, to kind of meet with uh, someone's students or uh, I review portfolios at, you know, AIGA's uh, Ink and Pixels or, or, you know, at a university um, where they do their own portfolio review. That's what I see the most, and that's where I give the most advice is tightening up the fundamentals. Um, and... Really, I think that because the industry is what it is today, where you're expected to be this unicorn, where you know <laughs> print design, you know layout, you know, uh, you know, you know some illustrations to do, you know, logos, you know, uh, web as a, not only a medium, but you know how to code, like all that stuff. Like you're getting, you're diluting actually what they're learning, so you're making them sort of a jack of all trades, master of none. Um, but it comes back if you have strong fundamentals and you understand the medium that you're working in, then you could be successful anywhere as long as you have the drive and, and passion for the for the work. All right, great. You know, that kind of actually leads me into uh, another question that I, I had. Um, and that is, you wrote an article titled, The Web, It Ain't Print. Yep. And you gave a typical client scenario where you told the client it won't look the same on every browser and every device and shouldn't. This is the web. That can only happen in print. These are your exact words. Well, I paraphrase a little bit. And the client would respond with, but I want it to look the same. And so you're like, you hypothesize that this is the sort of thinking that comes from an expectation that the web is the new print media. And it isn't, according to you. It, you. You said it's another media altogether. Yes. So my question is, does print design philosophy and training 
easily translate into interactive or digital design or however you want to oh man that question just gave me chills i love it the answer is (laughs) absolutely yes the fundamentals of good design are the fundamentals of good design they can translate to interior spatial design they translate to architecture they translate to composition and fine art they translate it from print to web to whatever it's the same the the fundamentals of good design i believe are the same no matter what and that's what the students are lacking often some of them have a knack for it um some of them have a passion for certain elements of it and they get good at it because they they work at it but i don't believe that we're educating students in the the importance of having these strong fundamentals to roll out of, out of their education and roll into the business and be contributing to the overall pursuit of good design. And I mean, this is, I, so what are the design fundamentals, right? That's the follow-up question. Mm-hmm. I'll ask myself that question. Well, I, have, <laughs> I am ready to go with that. Thank you. So <laughs> uh, I, I think that I'll start with, I think, uh, in terms of uh, broad, so you know, print, web, spatial design, architecture, etc. I'll start with all those. So, number one, the use of space, understanding where things should be on the page, harmony, right? Uh, negative space, white space, right? You think about. Uh, you know, a poster, right, or a website, How does, or an art gallery with the art on the wall, right? You have to have this space where it lo- it has to gestalt, everything works together, but also our, each piece can be enjoyed individually. So that can be translated from art on the wall to content on your website to call to action to um, messaging on a, on a poster or an ad. It's all the same, right? Um, color, uh, color cannot be a crutch. Um, I just did a, <laughs> a uh, uh, Alan Pekalik, um, from, uh, you know, uh, Herb Lou Ballon's partner back in the day. Um, I just read one of his books and, you know, he has, he says it great. He's like, you know, uh, color can't mask bad concepts. I'm paraphrasing here. Um, so, you know, I always say that color especially in web and interactive color needs to complement. Uh, it doesn't, it, it, it needs to complement the content. It needs to complement the user experience. It, it should not be dominating anything. Um, and it, it, you know, it's kind of like writing, you know, it's easier to say it in 500 words than it is to say it in 140 characters. Same thing with color, do it with less, you know, and, 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 and simplify that, you know, use it sparingly. Another, I mean, these are all interrelated, but they're all individual yeah. pieces. Hierarchy, right? Yep. Hierarchy in text, image, content. Students don't even know what a grid is. I swear I've never met a student that came out of school having an understanding of grid, grid theory, grid application. You know, uh, Herman Brockman, uh, Herman Mueller Brockman, you know, is spinning in his grave uh, at, at sort of the lost art of, of the grid. Uh, uh uh, Paul Rand, you know, like these guys uh, didn't rely on the grid, but they started with the grid, right? 
and you're seeing, you know, kind of early, or, you know, alluding to uh, what you asked earlier about how, how can these things translate to different media, you're seeing the fundamentals of good Swiss design being implemented into the web now because of all these different devices and display sizes. So you're starting with a grid and, you know, it's not, it's not anything new. You know, we've been doing that in page layout since, you know, the early 1900s using these grids and, and hierarchy and good typography. It's finally getting applied to the web. So you're like seeing websites that actually look good. We're not relying upon the developers who, who are just building it. We're relying on designers who understand the medium to design it so it can be built right. So, you know, and that comes back to hierarchy in the grid. Um, concept, right? Without a strong concept, mm -hmm. you're just decorating a page. So, uh, man, I think it was, uh, I think it was, um, it might have been Saul Bass. I'm not, I'm not sure. Uh, but said that the computer is to design as the microwave is to uh, a, a chef, being a chef. You know, it's a tool to get you there. But if you don't have a strong concept, you're just, you're just kind of wasting time. Um, uh, uh, another one, uh, Zeldman, um, Jeffrey Zeldman, the great Jeffrey Zeldman, uh, you know, content drives design. So, you know, what's your content? What's your concept? Put those together, design with that in mind, design for your user in mind. Um, another one is research. You can't get to your concept unless you're doing research. And who, what work is inspiring you to get help reach the goals of this design? So that's another thing, do your research. Uh, when I was in uh, undergrad at LaSalle, when we talked about the, the web and any sort of uh, you know, even the technology of setting up networks and stuff like that. I don't know why they taught us that, but they did. But it was 70-30, 70% planning, 30% implementation slash execution. So do all your research, do your planning, develop your concept, and then just do the work. Uh, and the last part of concept is must be flexible. Today, when you design a logo, it, it's not just on a piece of paper or letterhead. You know, that logo needs to work across, you know, all sorts of medium. It needs to be optimized. It needs to be flexible. And the same thing goes with all design, you know, being flexible. And the same thing goes for being a designer. You need to be flexible. Yeah, one more. I wanted, one more. Yeah. Uh, and the last one, I say this for last because it is outside of this one's particular to design. And that's typography. Um, you know, uh, I spent some years at a design firm that uh, did higher ed. Um, marketing and we did you know they, they were doing it when I was there for 35 years um, and I learned so much about typography there and again it's it's like the same thing like what typefaces are you choosing are those typefaces reflecting what the brand is are they talking to the audience um, what are you using for the headlines how are you choosing size and weight and color uh, how are you setting your rags up you know, all that stuff is, is a craftsman's art. And, you know, I think that, that, you know, with, with computers and just to focus on, you know, instant gratification, we're losing a lot of the attention to detail, uh, and the sort of, you know, craftsman approach to design where you take your time and review your work, not just churning it out as fast as possible.
So those are my, my, uh, in my mind, the fundamentals of good design. And when I see a student with those, I can critique the work itself and make it better. When I see a applicant with those reflected in their resume, I pursue them for a conversation to take it further. But when those things are lacking, I'm troubled because that is an uphill <laughs> battle for that, that individual. Um, so let me ask a, a little, take that a little bit more in depth. So uh, um, I was asking about like, you know, does, does print translate into, you know, into interactive or digital, but let's take that even a step further. So as an educator, I'm teaching somebody the, how to, how to use a grid to create relationship between pieces of information uh -huh. for, for a poster or for a magazine. Does that use of the grid does that use of um you know relation you know relationship of content should that be taught is that automatically just translate then for when you're designing for the screen with all the different devices or is there do you think there's a it's almost like separate training now where you need to be you need to understand the grid for the different um viewing experiences uh, Does that make so sense? yeah, so I think that's so I think primarily the, the understanding um, the grid to help um, organize content on a page and make it easily to d digest and scan and read and consume whatever people say um, that's primary. Uh, but then understanding your medium is sort of the next step. So okay, uh, the so the fundamentals. Uh, they branch off. So when you, you understand using a grid to help you lay out your content in a logical fashion on a poster, that's great. It's, it's a good place to start. Same thing when you're designing uh, for something interactive. You understand that medium so that you start with a grid that helps you organize your content. And as that display size changes uh, on devices and, and, and things like that, uh, you want to be able to have your content sort of flow within that grid to help maintain the overall purpose. So it goes back to that article I wrote probably three years ago now, um, mm -hmm. uh, that the purpose of the site, the purpose of your interactive product uh, is the number one sort of aspiration and goal for the project. Um, but the way that the content is presented is not necessarily um, it doesn't have to be all samey. It just needs to be able to be presented in a logical fashion to where the goals of the visitor uh, are met. And you know, so it's okay that you know uh, your cool styled buttons in uh, they look great, uh, just like the comp in Chrome, but Firefox overwrites them. And, you know, is trying to streamline things by forcing it to look a certain way on every site. That's okay. Because as long as they understand that there's a hierarchy to the calls to action, to the buttons, that this is the primary button, this is secondary, tertiary, etc. Like, you, as long as you're thinking logically and you have, you know, the fundamentals in mind, then, and you're applying them to every decision you make, excuse me, every decision you make, uh, throughout the entire project process, then it's going to work. And, but it, it all goes back to those fundamentals and you just kind of like, you kind of keep using them. You hear people say like, 
landing page optimization, right? Mm -hmm. uh, that that's a that's a great concept and a great uh, sort of webinar to sell to a marketer. But if you have a properly trained designer, we already get that. We do that already, right? It's not something that we need to learn, but it's a concept that needs to be sort of uh, needs to sort of go viral. Like these fundamentals of design can be taught to anybody. You don't have to be a designer. You don't have to be you know, uh, pushing pixels. It's definitely theory, but in my practice, in my experience, it's what's pri it's, it's one of the primary things that's missing. And I've seen people with long careers that have weak design fundamentals and the industry suffers because of that. And I believe clients and, um, you know, uh, people that are using their products and uh, uh, are not better off because of it. Um, thanks. No, that was actually really, it's, it's got me thinking about some things that I'm, you know, how I'm, my practice in the classroom. But um, I want to kind of move, I don't want to move on, but I want to kind of like follow up that from like a different um, perspective. And so I'm going to reference, you wrote an article about e-commerce web design, mm -hmm. 10 principles for success. Um, so shamefully, I've never taught anything in regards to e-commerce, whether it's from a usability to product promotion yeah. point of view in my classes. So is that a, is that a fundamental now, that idea of e-commerce that, or not the usability, um, would that be something that's a new fundamental? I certainly didn't learn it anywhere except for actually once I started working for that agency. Um, I learned it on the go and immersed myself and everything related to it. And it sort of helped me um, gain clarity on why these fundamentals uh, are so crucial. Because it all comes back to those, right? It comes back to the foundation. Okay. So, you know, whether you say e-commerce or... You know, anything where you're trying to get the person on your site to do something, right? Mm -hmm. Click something, fill out a form, um, leave their email, buy something, you know, they're there for that, that stuff, for that content, for that product. They're there. You just want to make it as easy as possible for them to achieve their goals, you know, and we kind of refer to that as reducing friction. You want to reduce friction as much as possible because they found your site, they want to buy this product, make it super easy for them. Don't have like the cancel button next to the buy button and have them the same size and color. You don't want to do stuff like that. And that goes back to hierarchy and use of color and concept. Uh, so, you know, it's all interrelated, but when you, th when you're thinking about, you know, helping someone achieve their goals on your site, you know, they want to read your white paper or they want to download your ebook, you know, and they have to leave an email so you can get something to market, you know, so you can market back to them. You know, all that stuff is, is good, right? That they're there for that. Um, but you have to you have to think about how can we make it as easy as possible for them and, and as welcoming for them. Uh, and you talk about, you know, there's things that, um, 
I, I can't remember what I wrote in that article. Is this when I talk about accessibility, readability, those things? Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So th those are sort of the fundamentals of, of interaction design, right? Mm -hmm. You have to think about your audience. So it starts with this, who, who, who are you, who's this site geared to? So you want to make it accessible to all those people. So you think about uh, what kind of devices they're on. If they're in like the Midwest, they're on like dial-up still. You know, that still, you know, exists in this country, oddly enough. Um, so you want to make the site as lean as possible. You want you don't want to rely on heavy images. You want to make, uh, you know, the, the type the typography, you, you want to make sure it's large enough um, for even the people with the poorest eyesight to read. Or you want to set up, you know, write the code in a way that's easy for um, uh, screen readers to, to read it to the person. So... That's accessibility, readability, sort of the same thing. You want to be able to scan the page and, a lot, and everything's presented in a logical fashion. No surprises, right? Don't make me think, yeah. right? These are, these are like the same sort of things that people have been saying for a long time. You don't want your user to have to think like, what happens if I click this button? Why do these two buttons that look different do the same thing, right? And then you start losing the trust of the, the, your visitor and whatever their goal was for the site, they end up leaving because it just like you know there's too much friction. Um, what are the oh, man uh, accessibility, readability, performance? It has to you know load fast. Mm -hmm. It has to work on all the devices and screen sizes. But you don't have to make everything mobile first. You have to just kind of accommodate. You don't have to present all the content that's on you know your full size desktop. Um, version um i don't want to say version but uh you know you can you can re we can remove content to improve the user experience when you get to you know a mobile device you don't have to present all the same stuff in all the same way um all those things are important to make sure and that's sort of like the next step right you have mm -hmm. these primary fundamentals of good design and then you get into interaction design, and then you sort of have this next layer of fundamentals of user experience design. Okay, I that you know I really like that idea that um, the idea of layers when you start off with the fundamentals, sure. then you add in the interaction, then you add in the user experience. Yep. I mean, I think that's that's a real clear way for me to wrap my head around. Cool. How to how to get the you know the student um, <laughs> out the door ready for the world? Um, we're we're getting close on time. And I know you've got a lot to do today, but I want to ask you um, one more question yeah. be before we start to wrap things up. And and that is, you have a lot of experience in both print and interactive design. Yeah. So having experienced both, when it comes to a working process, you know what's the same. What's different? I mean, can you walk me through your approach to a project? What's the same? From, what's different? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I kind of want to. I kind of want to take a step, one step back. So, okay. I made my business the Creative Foundation because I found myself sort of constantly uh, referring to uh, using the analogy of building something, right? Whether you're building a brand, a business. Mm -hmm. A, a new a new venture whatever if you're built on the right foundation a strong solid foundation you can put 
anything you want on top of it, right? Tear it down a few times and rebuild it as long as that foundation is rock solid. And that's where the, the sort of layers comes in, right? You're going to build it on the foundation of the fundamentals of good design. So whatever you put on top of it, it may or may not work, right? That's, that's the exciting part. You try things, they fail, that's okay. But as long as you have that right foundation, you can rebuild. But if you have a weak foundation, you may, you may build a business or a venture on top of that weak foundation, but eventually it's going to crumble. Eventually it's going to be exposed and something's going to give. And then you have to go all the way back to the beginning and try to rebuild that foundation and it might be too late. So that's why I came up with the Creative Foundation. And I, and, and I thought that was a good time to sort of uh, allude to that. So in terms of process, process is always the same. Uh, whether the project is big or small, whether, uh, and, and big or small meaning simple or complex, or the varying degrees of complexity. Um, so I, 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 you know, if uh, I'm doing a website that, that you know, the client has a $2,000 budget, for a WordPress site, or uh, we're building something, you know, on Magento Enterprise, and you know the client's spending four hundred thousand dollars on it. There's no difference in process; it just scales based on the complexity of their business. So, you know, I can stick with my process, um, whether I'm designing a logo or a website or a publication or you know the whole brand. It's always the same. It starts with research. So. I have I have a um, I have a love affair with printed word. Um, obviously, it's obvious why. Um, but whenever I have a new prospect, a new client, a new project, I buy books. I buy books on uh, I buy books that are reference books. I buy books on the topic. I I buy books of you know uh, text filled with logos um, on typography on beer labels, excuse me, on hand letter, hand drawn type, uh, everything you can imagine, whatever it's helped me sort of to inform me more about something related to the project. So I do research. I look at the competition. Uh, I, when we get off, uh, after our interview here, I'm going to start a competitor analysis of a new project I'm doing for a client. I'm doing their website. So they gave me a list of their competitors. I'm going to go look at their sites and I'm going to see what they're doing well and doing poorly uh, in terms of both just design, uh, user experience, technology, and brand. And I'm going to comment on each of those and I'm going to help the client differentiate from them. So it's understanding uh, who and what and why and how. Right. And the only way to do that is through tons of research, 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 research. And then the next thing I do is once I do my research and I'm informed, um, you know, and I also interview the clients. I send them questionnaires and things that help me understand their business and who they are, um, because there's no, nothing, no amount of research I can do will help me truly understand who they are uh, as well as they do. So getting that information from them is crucial. Next thing I do is um, uh, what, what I call inspiration. So what what I so after the research, I kind of have an idea of what's right for them. 
There's, I haven't, I haven't done anything on the computer in terms of design. I haven't even gone to my sketchbook, um, my notebook or anything. Um, I may have jotted down some words and things here and there, but um, I, I get inspiration. So I find things that I feel like, uh, you know, whether it's a mood board I create or something in Pinterest, uh, I get sort of examples of like, you know, from this website, from that website, I like what they're doing here. I like they're doing that section. Here's a page you're going to have. I, I really want to be inspired by how they use the space here, the whole gestalt of this site. I really like that. So like that type of stuff helps me help the client start to visualize where I'm going, right? And all that, all that sort of evolved from preventing surprises. And surprises when you're dealing with clients uh, often lead to rework. And this sort of small step process is highly inspired by um, like agile yeah, project process, project management. Um, you keep the steps as small as possible to make sure that we're all on the same page as, you know, versus taking huge chunks and then having to go back, you know, a major step. Uh, we want to avoid that as much as possible. We want to keep moving forward. And if we have to go back, it's only a small step. So, once we get through research, planning, inspiration, then it's starting to get to work. So if it's a logo project, I start conceptualizing, working on concepts. If it's a web project, I start um, looking at their content and then moving around, uh, do prototyping, wireframing to figure out a best way to organize their content on a page. Um, and that's the same thing for publication design. You know, it's not much difference between web and a publication. You're sort of, you're leveraging the content and then presenting the content in, in a, you know, uh, smart fashion. Um, but then, then they kind of go in their own ways. But um, that first part of the pro process is always the same. Research, 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 inspiration concept development, and then uh, execution. So uh, again, it's like 70% of your time you should be spending learning, educating yourself, educating the client, getting everybody excited on the same page. And then you start pushing pixels and, you know, drawing in your, your notebook and things like that, developing concepts. But that first part of the process never changes. All right. Great. That was, that was thorough. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> it's, I, you know, it, again, the idea of practicing designer versus a design educator, we don't necessarily, you know, see the process this, from the same perspective. Yeah. So that that's good information. Sure. So uh, Bob, before I let you go, is there anything you are working on that you would like to share or promote, or maybe a final mm. piece of advice you'd like to give design educators? Um, I'll, I'll answer both. Uh, uh, creative foundation, uh, graphic design, branding, interactive design. Um, I, I, uh, it is a fabulous, uh, young business and I love what I do and my clients and I have great relationships and, uh, you know, everything I've sort of talked about has been the result of having great clients over the years and I continue to aspire for that. And, um, 
what's the URL for that for your for the Creative Foundation? It's creativefoundation.us. All right. Um, check me out, and uh, if you're a student, hit me up. I, I love to see your work and help you get it better, and help you sort of plug out any holes you have and your understanding of good design fundamentals. Um, if I was going to live one last piece of advice, you know, I, I always felt that, and I still feel that way. Um, you know, mentoring uh, young designers, mentoring my staff and colleagues is important. Um, I believe that the industry would be better off with better designers out there. And I hope that one day people look at my work and say, man, he was kind of terrible, but uh, because that we've gotten so much more, so much better than, you know, we are now. Um, You know, I I look at that as uh, a great aspiration that we have great design forever. And I think it would truly transform society. So my advice is, um, Whenever you're meeting with professors, clients, colleagues, potential employers, um, go and do your research first. I think you need to aspire to be the smartest person in the room. And that doesn't need to be a reality. That can be a perception. And I've made, uh, I've had uh, great success in my career um, uh, uh, sort of aspiring to be uh, perceived as the smartest person in the room. Now, what does that mean? That means you do your homework. It goes back to research. You immerse yourself in their business. You immerse yourself in your business. You know what you're talking about. If you're going to be designing websites, you understand the medium that you're designing in. If you want, to, if you like typography, you need to show it and practice it all the time. You need to just keep getting better and better and better. You know, if you like illustration. Who are your favorite illustrators and why? You know, and whose work do you do you want to emulate? And who do you, who do you respect greatly in the industry? Those are the things that are so important. And it's sort of understanding your business, what you love about your business, and also your client or potential employer or whomever you may be doing work with, understanding their business. So you can talk about it at a high level. And you're having a conversation with them. You're building a relation with them for, relationship with them first. Um, it's not necessarily you're answering a bunch of questions or you're asking them a bunch of questions. It's you're having a dialogue to get deeper into it. And if you aspire to do that and if you really work hard to do those things, um, to work on being the smartest person in the room, uh, you, you will be uh, having a great time in this business. Great. Well, that's all we have time for today on episode five of Design EDU Today. I want to thank today's guest, Bob Gillespie, for being so generous with his time. I want to thank the audience for listening and the Design EDU Today web hosting sponsor, DigitalOcean, for making the hosting and distribution of these podcasts possible. I also want to thank the AIGA and the AIGA Design Educators community for their generous support of my research that led to this podcast series. If you want to discover more about the Design EDU Today podcast and read the session notes, visit designedu.today. You can also follow us on Twitter at designedu today or subscribe to this podcast through the iTunes store. Thank you for listening to Design EDU Today. Today.